0: Hey guys, what's up? This is Justin Geike with the Chase Outdoors podcast. I just want to say thank you Thank you, thank you for taking this opportunity and listening to this podcast. Yes, there are tons and tons and tons of podcasts out there, but this one is special because it's ours and it's the very first one. So if you're unfamiliar with Chase Outdoors, what we are is a sporting goods retailer based out of north central Wisconsin. And while living in Wisconsin is awesome because we have access to just so much incredible hunting and fishing and the diversity and the beauty of Uh, Our natural resources are are exceptional, but we also love to leave this state and get out and experience all what this great country has to offer. We love to saltwater fish in Florida. We love to chase down whitetails in the Midwest, all around neighboring states. We love to go out West for antelope, elk, and mule deer and and just that passion and that grind and that desire for going out and doing what we love really drives us uh, in our store and, and on our on our online store, chase-outdoors.com. And what we want to do is basically combine our experiences and our stories with the gear that we use and that we sell and try to not only entertain you with some great stories, but try to better equip you and maybe... Help educate you with some of this gear and how to use it and in, in result in better experiences for you on the water and in the woods. And we, as hunters and fishermen, we love podcasts. You guys, whether it's Cameron Haynes or Joe Rogan or Remy Warren or Mike Iconelli, I mean, there's a ton of good ones out there. And I think one of the cool things is because we spend so much time on the road, whether it's driving to the lake an hour away or driving out to South Dakota to chase deer like we were last week. You know, there's just a lot of of steering wheel time to listen to podcasts, so I want to thank you once again for investing your time to listen to us, and we certainly hope we can uh, return the favor by uh, welcoming you to our family and getting you wrapped up into some uh, really cool things about hunting and fishing. I can't think of a better way of getting started with this podcast than talking about Chase. And I'm not talking about Chase Outdoors. I'm talking about my son, Chase, who I named uh, our growing company after. I started this uh, store five years ago. My son was uh, two years old. And honestly, his name, Chase, was the most hillbilly, rednecky, hunting-related thing that my uh, wife would let me get away with. I, I tried uh, Buckshot and Hunter and Rusty and, I mean, you name it. Uh, Chase was the closest thing to a hunting name that uh, my dear wife would let me get away with, so we went with that. Uh, His middle name is Honor. We named him that to remind him to honor his family, uh, honor and respect other people, most importantly, honor God. Uh, The store, we have grown and grown, and it's uh, gone from just this little tiny uh, hole in the wall that uh, smelled like uh, mold and mildew, and uh, you get... uh, A lot of uh, strong wind drifts coming through the windows uh, to a really nice budding store. And now our our e-store, chase-outdoors.com, offers one of the largest shooting sports assortments uh, found anywhere in the nation. So that's super exciting. We're excited and and proud of that. And uh, yeah, so it's really cool. Um, So back to talking about Chase. Uh, Right now, he's just about eight. He's been seven and a half uh, for most of the year, even though at this point he's like 7 and 99 100s. But uh, growing up here in north central Wisconsin, rural, we've got uh, a property just outside of town we call the Dirty 30, where we do all of our uh, hunting and camping and, and everything. We've been uh, really cultivating this property for the last uh, three years that we've owned it. And in, in Chase's Chase's. pretty much grown up on it but we do a lot of shooting in the summer and obviously with me owning a store that sells archery equipment and firearms and stuff like that he's really exposed to it more so than a lot of kids are in other places in the country but we've been shooting bb gun for a few years now he's been sitting in the woods with me since he was three and uh, this spring we graduated up to the 22 shot the ten twenty-two, and i asked him I said, buddy, you ready to to move out to the big guns? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I sure am. he was super excited about it. So we went out to the range and we shot my AR-15. And we're going to come back to that. But it was a centerfire rifle for him. And uh, he was extremely comfortable with it, extremely well disciplined, very, very accurate. And we moved into October 5th and 6th, which is the youth hunt. And if you're from another state, what's awesome about Wisconsin is I love the structure of their youth hunt. This, this weekend allows kids of any age, there's no minimum age in Wisconsin, to hunt as long as you're within the mentored program. And what the mentored program is, is, a, uh, is an adult with an arm's length, only one weapon. Um, but it gives these kids an opportunity to go out and, and try their hand at deer hunting with any weapon, whether it's uh, legal archery or firearms. And it gives them a time of year when we're not quite into the the twenty degree snowy mess that uh, is uh, coming to us in about two hours. Um, but uh, but it's a warmer time of year. The deer haven't been pressured that much, and it gives the kids an awesome opportunity for success. I'm really really grateful. We didn't have that uh, when I was a kid. I'm I'm in my uh, in my mid thirties and. And growing up, we had to wait till we were 12 years old. So to be able to have this uh, experience for kids when they're ready in the state, which I think you know, five or six years old is about when you hear a lot of people on the young age start. Um, with with my son Chase, I thought seven was the appropriate age for him. As long as he was good at the range and disciplined, I, I just there's plenty of time with these kids. We need to do it right, and I just don't think it's a good idea to just push him out in the woods. So I wanted to really equip it. I wanted uh, him to want to do it, which he did, and build his confidence up early so that he found a positive experience in it so he'd want to do it for years to come. So we went to the range. Everything went great. Like I said, I'll come back to that. And we set up on my food plot. And I think one thing that's important, we're talking about taking kids hunting, is making sure that they're comfortable And they're having a good time. If we're just taking them out there to make sure they shoot a deer, sometimes I think we lose sight of the fact that uh, these are young kids and it's about enjoyment and pleasure for them, which isn't always about just shooting a deer. And I've been working diligently to make sure that I put him in a position to be successful with killing a deer. Things that I did, first of all, is I set up a ground blind. To me, the ground blind is the safest place to put a kid. They're on the ground. They're not up in trees. The other thing that's nice about the ground blind, in our case, we were using a, a double bull blind. There's a million great blinds out there. Um, I have not found a good cheap hub blind yet. Uh, maybe some of you guys have one that you're really happy with. But uh, I've tinkered around with a lot of the base models. I love what the better performance is gives i think baronet's got some nice blinds that are physically larger that give you more space for two people but at the end of the day for me that double bowl is absolutely uh the way to go this new one that they've got is really cool because it has 360 degree viewing and this special mesh uh, allows you to see out 360 degrees but game can't see it those are super super cool really helps keep you aware and getting prepared for good shooting but we're on a food plot on the on the dirty 30 that i put up and in the nice thing about it is if a deer steps out he's basically in big trouble the plot is only uh, about 60 yards across it's long and wide but anything that we could see pretty much would put us in a sub 100 yard shot uh, for the position that the ground blind was in so i like that that we're not um, looking at deer that are too far away that we can't take shots at or questioning whether or not we should take a shot because of how far away it is. So I like being in those tight quarters. It was a spot that we could get in and out of easily. It was easy walking for him. And uh, I've obviously been using trail cameras to monitor, and I knew there's deer out there. In fact, there was this one, uh, Mr. Spicarillo, uh, the four-inch spike buck, who basically... Uh, he's a diva, man. That, that buck is in front of every single camera all the time, getting pictures taken of himself. And uh, he's probably about 70 pounds soaking wet. But I thought to myself, you know what? Seven years old, first buck, old Spikerilla just be perfect for Chase. So uh, I had seen him the last couple times. I sat on that plot, kind of skeleton things out, and that was what I was expecting. It's been like 60 degrees, sunny, calm, beautiful, basically every day leading up to and after this youth hunt. Of course, though, come youth hunt, what do we have? Super strong west winds, northwest winds, raining, drizzly, cold, damp, just nasty. And that's another reason that the ground blind's awesome. You stay in there, you stay dry, you can bring extra blankets so they're comfortable, uh, or put a heater in there like just no brainer. If it wasn't for the ground blind, which I never had as a kid, we would have never have gone into there. Uh, so I was super grateful for that. Comfortable chairs, and with kids, and with me as well, you've got to have snacks. So we come out there. I've got his water bottle, and you know, bring some Snickers and some trail mix and stuff like that. Keep them occupied and uh, keep them keep them happy. Another thing we were doing too is. Is using the binoculars and teaching him how to how to look at that, and just having a nice you know quiet conversation about what's going on in nature. And we've been out there for about two hours with nothing going on, and all of a sudden I can tell Chase is getting fed up, like he's had enough. And uh, and all of a sudden I hear a couple of shots, and I said, you know what, buddy, these are other kids. That's the only person that's shooting. And the reason they're shooting is because they're shooting deer. That means we're getting close to the special time of night, these last 45 minutes. Um, you need to you need to stay focused, buddy. It's going to happen, all right? And you could see him kind of get energized and, and encouraged by what I had said to him. I turn around and look. I look back at him and say, buddy, get your earplugs in. I, I It was awesome. I turned around. I no more and got done telling him that, that uh, he needed to uh, keep his eyes peeled. And I watched this fork buck step out onto the food plot. And he's at about 80 yards, quarter towards this little bit. And one of the things I use is a tripod to allow Chase to set the gun up so everything's nice and steady. And I think that really helps out. I think it's pivotal. These are these are small children. The idea of holding the physical weight of a gun, regardless of how light or heavy it is by our standards, I think the, the bipod or especially the tripod is a must Caldwell built something called a field pod that's really awesome, too. That's a tripod that allows you to rest the whole gun on it. If you've got a kid that's shaky or handicapped or recoil uh, sensitive, it doesn't matter. That field pod from Caldwell is an awesome choice. Uh, the one that we use, just a standard tripod, is a bog pod, and I really, really love the Primo's trigger stick, too. I think those are just super, super easy. Um, but... I tell him, put his earplugs in, he gets his earplugs in, and one of the things we went through when we were shooting this gun at the range is a systematic step-by-step approach. And it's the same way when I'm setting up first bows for kids in our archery range that I am, I don't want to say drill sergeant, but I am bullet point systematic because I'm trying to essentially beat those key important points, like with archery, it's, you know, shoulder width, feet perpendicular, standing up straight, you know, rotation in your elbow, all of those things. Um, I'm trying to do the same with shooting gun, you know, figure off the trigger, make sure you're on the target. Once you're on the target, flip it to the fire position, make sure you're on the target, finger on the trigger, pull through slowly. All of those just kind of steps so that, if we take it step by step by step by step, that for these kids, it just becomes... Uh, excuse me, just a second. I think... Oh, don't, you, don't you hate that? When you think you're going to sneeze, you're talking to somebody, tell them you're going to do it, and then it doesn't happen. It's exactly what happened to me. But anyway, like I was saying, that systematic approach so that it becomes second nature to them. It's like an athlete or... Anything that you're doing, that repetitive nature, repetitive nature, going through the steps is really going to help, you know, just create a higher level of success. And it's incredible now that it's been some time and, you know, a few weeks since this hunt has happened. Still, I can just say, Chase, how do you shoot a gun? And same thing, he's going through these steps and I can see him doing it. He's quietly speaking them out to himself and he says, I'm on him. I said, all right, buddy, when you're ready flips it to fire. I turn back and I look at the buck and he was just quartering towards us just a little bit. And I was turning around to tell him to just wait and he shot. And I didn't even get anything out of my mouth. So it's not like he wasn't obedient. It just, it just worked out that way. So I didn't get to see where this bullet hit. And I turn around and I look and this buck is running back into our woods in, in our food plot. Is, goes from food plot to jungle, there's a bunch of tag alders, and uh, once a deer's five ten yards in, you can't see it. But uh, I didn't know it, but there were some does behind him that had kind of popped out at that exact same time, and they bolted off, and this buck was a little slower going in, so I, did, I knew I hit him. And the response I got out of Chase was everything that you could possibly dream of, hope for, or expect as a parent. I look at him, and the first thing he's doing is he's getting back on target if he can. He says, he's gone, flips it to the safe position, and then loses it. He is shaking like crazies. He's looking at himself shaking, because I don't know that he's ever had an experience like that where he's shaken quite as much. I I mean, a few months earlier, he caught his first muskie, a 40-inch, he reeled it in by himself, kicked the crud out of him. He was nowhere close to being as amped as he was with, uh, with this buck. And he looks at me. He's like, Dad, this is, a, this is amazing. Dad, this is amazing. Oh, Dad, I just shot my first deer. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. I'm only seven and a half, and It was just awesome. It was so good. And I look at him. I said, did you hit him good? He's like, Dad, I hit him right in the 10th spot. And the 10th spot is actually on his little archery target. And it was just, oh, like I'm ready to pass out just talking about it. It was so awesome. And shooting this two twenty three round that we're shooting, which I've never shot a deer with it before. Never shot a deer with this AR-15 platform or this cartridge or anything. So, I I mean, honestly, I'm a little unfamiliar with it. And I don't know how it's going to go. So I said, buddy, we're just going to sit here and we're going to wait for a little bit. And um, I tried to get him, you know, let him catch his breath and kind of just marinate in the moment, his father and son. And, uh, and I don't want to get his hopes up too much because we had not found this deer. And we wait, and I'm just trying to be responsible. And we have this drizzle going on too. So uh, we slowly start to pack everything up, and we get to get out of the blind. And I help him out of the blind, and I look up on the food plot, and I'm immediately like, Chase, get back on the blind. He's like, what? I said, get back on the blind. He's like, why? Cranky does out there. What? He has no idea what I'm talking about. But there's this doe that's been on this property ever since I bought it. And you could tell because she's got this big tumor on her side. And she's the meanest doe ever. She's the worst. I mean, this girl has got to go. I mean, wind can be blowing complete opposite direction You can move your blind across the food plot. She's looking at you. She's snorting. She's stomping her foot. She's uncomfortable. Like she, that girl just lived to snort. Her fawn got past me last year and I'm in between them and she pegged me. And I kid you not, that thing snorted for two hours. She's on the neighbors quarter mile away. I can hear her snort. I mean, just, she's the worst. Big matriarch. You know, in, in a lot of these people you talk to about deer management and stuff like that, you know, getting rid of those matriarch does is really good for your buck population. When you just look at the social dynamic of how deer are non food plots, like those big old cranky does, not only are a pain for you, but they're really good at chasing these young bucks away when they're trying to establish a territory or find a place to call home. So I'm I'm always trying to shoot the oldest doe. I still think it's the smartest animal on earth. And uh, here's this opportunity, cranky doe's coming out, her and her big nasty tumor. And and I tell Chase, whenever you're ready, buddy, he pulls the trigger, that doe doesn't take a step. She is down. And I look at Chase, he's like, She's down, man. I got her. It was just it was perfect. It was awesome. And and I was so happy. To watch that deer, you know, just die instantaneously and hit the ground, no tracking, no anything. Because if we don't find this buck, I'm not going to dwell on it publicly or in front of my kid. We're going to focus on this doe then, all right? So I know we've got a deer. And we go out there and we take pictures and we high five and we hug and it's raining and it's nasty out. And I'm like, it's getting dark. I'm like, buddy, we got to go see if we can find your buck. So we go into the woods where where I watched it run in and I can't find any blood, I can't find any hair, it's drizzling, we're in the tags, and all of a sudden I hear, dad? I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'm stuck. And I turn around and Chase is almost up to his knees, stuck in the mud. At that point, I make the decision, because we were only maybe 25 yards into the tags. Like, we're pulling out, we're done. I am not focusing on this buck. Uh, let's just focus on this doe. What happened, and make the most out of this to give my son the most positive experience possible. So we go grab the ATV and we pull it up to my front field and we're gutting it out. And I'm having him hold the leg while I'm cutting it up. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Dad, yeah, I'm gonna puke. I'm like, Oh, you're fine, buddy. No, Dad, I'm gonna puke. And I look, and he is like green in the face. Uh, not a uh, <laughs> maybe. It's a little early for him and that. I said, Oh, you can go buy the four wheeler, buddy. But uh, I finished it up. We took it home he was sleeping halfway home out like a light as soon as we got home he was up on his feet running in the house to tell my wife nicole all about his deer and uh, it was awesome so we go to bed he's out immediately you know i'm trying to trying to mentally go through the rundown of what happened with this buck and we get up super early in the morning um, I, so when I say we, I, I, and my buddy Brian that I do a lot of my Western hunts with meets me out at the property and we go look and we're looking for like 15 minutes. We find this buck right off the bat it is awesome. And one thing that's really cool is that, um, with my buddy being out there, he was probably looking in a place that I wouldn't have looked. So I, I you know, I just I out divine intervention or whatever, it was just, with no blood trail, I am so grateful that we found this buck. It only probably went 70 or 80 yards. And again, I'm going to go back to this gun thing in a minute. But uh, it was awesome. We drug it out, gutted it out. Turns out being a quarter two shot, uh, he got one lung, liver, and a little gut. So it was a little smelly, but we didn't ruin too much of the meat. There was maybe a little piece of hindquarter that I didn't cut up, but we recovered the deer and got it home. When I get home, the big thing is is my is Chase has no idea that I where I even went, and uh, I have him come out to quote unquote help me and uh, move something and drop the tailgate, and he's so jacked. We found his buck; it was just awesome. So it was really kind of cool that we didn't find it that night because it allowed us to focus on the doe the first night and focus on the buck. The next morning is like getting two days of two first year and really kind of getting uh, to focus on the totality of both harvest experiences, even though he shot, you know, five minutes apart from the two. So that was really cool. It's just awesome experience. Um, it's been almost a month now, maybe three weeks since he shot this year. And he still uh, doesn't stop talking about it. He's wearing a Sitka jacket to school every single day. Now he's telling the kids, he's uh, just the pride the excitement. I mean, I have a hunter for life. And I think that it's so important to create a positive experience for these kids and make it all about them. If they're out there for a half an hour and want to go home, I think that's okay. You got to do it and just try again. I don't think you can push it too hard with today's generation because you have to create the positive influence. There's so many distractions for their attention. It's not like when I was a kid where Like, you're just, you're one track mind hunting and fishing from the day you're born. So I'm really grateful for that part, that it went as well as it did, and that he's so jacked about it, and he's talking about it, and drawing pictures about it, and telling kids about it. I mean, it's just, you know, as a dad, it's the coolest thing ever. But I think one of the biggest keys to success in this trip, and this positive experience, is the type of gun we used. And for us, Selling youth rifles is a giant part of our business. Tons and tons and tons of grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, neighbors, you know, re- rely on us to come in and buy this first gun. And a lot of us, like me, started out at twelve with the rifle that we're still hunting with today—a full-size stock, thirty-eight six, whatever. But when we're talking about changing this law and we're getting kids in at five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are just, just new and looking for this advice. We used an AR 15 and we used a 223 Remington caliber. And I'm going to talk about why in here in a second. Growing up, even though it was legal in the state of Wisconsin, I never found anybody that said that that was a good enough cartridge for shooting deer. In fact, I heard a lot of the opposite a ton of negativity that anybody that uses 223, 22250, uh, 243. That, that that wasn't enough I mean Northern Wisconsin is quote unquote you know brush busting bullets it's 180 grain round nose 30 six 270s 308s eights, thirty thirties. you know open sight lever guns and and I think that there's certainly uh, uh, an older um, generation that believes very very much that that is those are the only options you know for shooting deer and I think if I told a lot of these, People that we used a 223, we get a ton of feedback, you know, negative. And I didn't know what to think, but all I could think of is like watching Drury outdoors and watching Taylor Drury as a young girl shooting these 180 inches with a 223 in a single shot Thompson uh, Encore rifle. And she had great success. And here we are 10, 15 years later. And all we're seeing is this massive explosion of of high-quality, high-weight retention, rapid expansion, high-performance bullet technology coming out. So I thought to myself, watching the success that she had had, that I kind of trusted that we could be successful with it. um, And it just kind of started to get exposed to other people who have done that. The reason I choose the AR-15 is because in that cartridge, it's the gun that I had. And not only that, but being that it's semi-automatic, that semi-automatic action uses a lot of that gas pressure and recoil and the functionality of the gun, which helps cut down on the recoil. So that part of the platform I loved. So I wanted a very light recoiling gun so that my son wasn't afraid of the recoil or the noise or the jolt of shooting center fire rifles and I've got video of it. It's incredible. Like it doesn't so much is make him flinch. Just his comfort level was exceptional. Now this is my personal AR uh, that I just basically use for target shooting for fun. I'll, I, I coyote hunt with it from time to time, but uh, things that I did to this gun to make it different than just what you'd buy off the shelf and there's nothing wrong with just buying one off the shelf. You don't have to do a build. There's some good stuff out there. Um, I love the, the Ruger AR556, the Smith & Wesson Sport 2. Uh, you know, I like these name brand companies just because I think they're going to be around the longest when we see political or legislation changes on these platforms or changes in the economy. Like I trust Ruger and Smith & Wesson to be around. So that's generally speaking when I'm moving towards an entry-level price point AR why I go with those. The other thing is that six position adjustable stock allows it to fit anybody of any age. So it fits me when it's extended. It allows me to choke it all the way up to nice and short so that it's comfortable for him. It's because being able to reach the trigger and having good control of the trigger and good control of the grip is extremely important in accuracy and comfort as well. And one thing talking about comfort that I did just because that six position stock is kind of plasticky and and, and, and tough corners or tough edges, is Packmeyer makes this little slip-on recoil pad. And it's not so much about needing to reduce the recoil any further than we already have just by choosing the platform and the caliber, is it just softens it up and it makes it more comfortable of a fit into the pocket of his shoulder. And they're like 15 bucks. So it's if you own an AR and you're having anybody besides yourself shoot it, that, that Packmeyer slip-on is just awesome. In another thing I did is I put a good trigger in it. I used an Elfman trigger, a three-and-a-half-pound single-stage uh, straight trigger. And in, in, to me, a high-quality trigger, regardless of what rifle you own, is worth every single dime you put into it. And I think this Elfman was like, I don't know, 169 bucks, 159 It It really wasn't bad for a, what is a really nice high-performance trigger. So I put that in there, and the only other thing was how I approached optics. One thing I noticed is that my son was really struggling to use um, iron sights when we were shooting the twenty or the ten twenty-two, and I think part of that reason is that he, my son's right-handed, but he's left eye dominant, and I really wanted to do something where he could shoot left-handed because of that eye dominancy and have good fast target acquisition. Because I know a lot of the times where my target panic or my buck fever stuffs come in has come from just not being able to acquire my target fast enough. So what I chose is I went with a red dot, and the red dot that I chose was from Vortex, which is a Wisconsin-based company, the Spark AR, which is available in a 3 uh, MOA and a 6 MOA. We went with a smaller dot, we went with a 3, um, just because I think it's just a little bit better precisioned uh, dot when we start to get at distances beyond 50 yards. And uh, both of these... Shots and harvests that Chase took were in that seventy to eighty yard range, and we'd spent a lot of time at the target uh, practice facility at fifty yards. So I really like, I really like this red dot. And another nice thing about it is, if he's not cheeking the rifle just perfect, um, or if he's he doesn't have to worry about eye relief. It's just it's very 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 easy for him to quickly get on target, especially inside of a dark ground blind or low light conditions, I mean, he has absolutely no problem. So I love the red dot, and and as we move up, I've been thinking, because I think next year we're going to take a, a, a another step in the caliber offering for deer hunting for him. I'm still going to go red dot, and especially in Wisconsin where our shots are 75 yards and under most of the time, I think a red dot is an awesome option and and super overlooked. We don't need 4 to 16 power scopes on most of the rifles for most of the hunting situations in northern Wisconsin. And uh, and there's a ton of good quality red dots out there. I mean, 15 years ago and then 20 years ago when they first started kind of coming on the scenes, there's a lot of junk out there. Um, Vortex, uh, Burris, Holosun, I mean, there are tons and tons and tons of good options, That range in price from that like $80 to $200 range, I think the model that we had $199, I think Vortex has got another one in their Crossfire that's at like $149, but uh, just rant and rave about the target acquisition, the confidence, and the usability of the red dot on this platform, especially for youth. Um, And... What we use for bullets, I think, is another really important part, is uh, we used Winchester Deer Season XP in 64 grain, and uh, that little bit heavier bullet than what you see typically in an AR with the 55 grain stuff, I think, is part of it, but I love the fact that they're building a bullet specifically for the purpose of deer hunting, and I got to tell you, when I took the height off of this thing, absolutely thrilled, floored. Uh, impress whatever verbiage you want to use for what this bullet did was awesome. It's got a polymer tip like a lot of different bullets do, but it's physically much larger. And what that allows you to do is have a larger cavity, uh, which is essentially a hollow point once that projectile hits and that polymer tip vaporizes. Is, um, is you've got that bigger hollow point which gives you more rapid expansion, more guaranteed expansion, and more increased vital shock at the point of contact. Um, absolutely devastating on both of these deer. Am I going to go up in caliber and bullet weight with my son as he grows? Yes, absolutely. But for 7, 8, maybe 9 years old, this is a really, really good option. And while if you're one of those people that's like, ah, you know what, I just don't like that AR platform, ours was a single shot. Not because it wasn't capable of more, but because that's all I put in the gun. Like, you know, I love the fact that you can buy these little five-round magazines so they don't take up any space. I just, I know there's this giant negative stigma around this gun. And quite honestly, I think it's a bunch of crap. And you look at these lying, horrible, conniving morons on the news channel outlets, and I don't care which one, what side of the aisle on it. But I see CNN jumping on there with this retired army general and he can't control this thing. Give me a break. My 60-year-old, or six-year-old, my 60-pound seven-year-old handled that gun like an absolute man and had no problem with it. There isn't a person out there that cannot handle shooting that platform confidently and comfortably. And I think it's awesome for that. I don't like what stupid people do with them sometimes, but for what was done in our household with them was absolutely exceptional and extraordinary. And I applaud it. The other thing that's really cool about the platform is if we want to just change calibers within that and keep our good trigger and keep that stock. If I want to go to a 300 blackout, a 6.8 SPC, a Grendel, like whatever, there's a lot of options for us to go to a larger bullet. I'm a bolt action guy myself and I think we're going to probably graduate to that 243 7mm08 260 rem, What have you as we get closer to that point in time? Um, I'm not a giant overkill caliber guy. Um, I think that uh, I think that for deer I think a 260 Ram a 65 Creedmoor 7mm08 is every bit as good as some of the larger stuff that I do, and we have, and we have used like thirty odd sixes and stuff, seven mm red mags, whatever you. But uh, for for around here, that's really awesome. Um, you know what? And I and I think that um, I think that's really the point that I'm trying to get at is, is get these kids out there and, and put them in the best position that you can to be successful. We um, I think we really knocked it out of the park with this one. I think the gun played a huge role in him being able to shoot confidently and comfortably and have him better enjoy hunting deer. The other things that I talked about, you know, having the snacks, being in the ground blind, you know, all those things. uh, Yeah, those are super important. But I think equipping yourself with something that uh, can be a high success rate and um, create a positive experience for these kids is absolutely awesome. I've got a ton of stuff coming up. I'm going to try to uh, make it a point to, uh, what is today? It's Monday night. Maybe we're going to start doing these every Monday night moving forward. I'm going to try to make sure I'm doing them at least once a week. We've got some really cool stuff coming up to talk about. We just got back from a DIY, over-the-counter, archery, open country uh, hunt for deer in South Dakota. It was an amazing trip. There's a ton of really cool things that I want to pull out of that trip. The rut is just starting here in Wisconsin. We're going to talk about some of the stuff that's out there, uh, that we're going to use for that. We're going to cover those things the next two weeks. and That's going to bring us to the week before the Wisconsin, uh, rifle season, which is basically a national holiday for us. And, uh, we'll talk about that as well. But like I said, really appreciate you guys, uh, spending this time, uh, Just listening, being part of our Chase Outdoors family, encourage you to visit our website, chase-outdoors.com. they will have uh, more information in future podcasts on there. Obviously, all of the equipment and gear that we talked about can be found on there. And uh, it's our first one, so I don't know uh, how to close it up. But we'll just say uh, God bless you. Uh, Good luck on the water and in the woods. And uh, we'll see you next time.